Hey guys, uh, welcome to a very special episode of the podcast in Cannes. I'm here with Kevin Alaka. Uh, I'm gonna allow him to kind of give you the context. I have a series of questions, but this kicks off our uh, interview series at Cannes. Uh, something that I wanted to do for a lot of this audience as the podcast has grown and become far more 360. Um, Obviously so much grounded in entrepreneurship and startup culture, but over the last half decade a lot more in the ad world and the Fortune 500 land and uh, what's really excited about having Kevin on is uh, I I think his organization and, and really ironically what he actually does for a living I think touches a far majority of the people listening. So I'm super excited bro. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad you're here. Please yeah. tell uh, the Vayner Nation who you are and what you do. Sure. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. So I'm, I'm Kevin Alaka. I'm the head of culture and trends at YouTube. Um, I basically work on projects that help people find and understand what's popular on YouTube at the end of the day. Um, and I've been tracking trends at YouTube for for almost nine years now I wrote a book called Videocracy um, which looks at like the ways that people interact with culture and 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 interact with video and how that influences culture and so basically I work on like on the one side we do a lot of like consumer stuff basically how we surface and and understand what's what's popular on YouTube and then on the other side like I'm here because a lot of times people want to understand in this world what's going on uh, in creativity what's going on on YouTube and I mean this world needs to this world needs to pay way more attention yeah yeah you agree with that? Uh, I do. I mean, I think I think there's a. We we were at this phase a few years ago where it was like, okay, there's a lot of audience here, so we're gonna like we're gonna pay attention to that audience, but not take a second to understand what they're watching or why they're watching it. And now we're kind of entering the, this other phase where I think everybody's starting to see like, oh, I, like to understand how to reach that audience, I need to understand why they're there, what they're doing there, sure. like, who they care about, and like. You know, like I'm gonna give this talk this week uh, about this in many ways, but like we we're, we're so used to making assumptions and value judgments about about creativity and about content and and what people should like or shouldn't like, and it's audacious. YouTube subverts a lot of that stuff. It's audacious. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know. So let's take a step back. Yeah, yeah. What kind of kid were you? Like, where'd you grow up? Yeah. Like, were you into Star Wars or like selling Jolly Ranchers or like? <laughs> I see you have two ear. Ear, ear, ear no, ring. No, hold. no, no. This yeah. is just a video work. Uh, I never, I never. Oh, those are just. Those, yeah, are, yeah. those are not. Oh, those are <laughs> no. just. Those are just uh, birthmarks. Yeah. Yeah, All right, right. Damn it. I was like, why would you have two earrings in the no, same year? No, I was no. super fired up. That was like, <laughs> I went to it immediately. But I did. I did grow up in my in like uh, north of Miami in South Florida. Okay. Which is a, which what is town? Same place, Hollywood, Florida. Yeah, that's like, where all the Russians have gone. Do you know about this? Like all my parents' generation Russians have all moved to this Hollywood, Florida. I mean, like there is. It's about to be the Brighton Beach of Florida. I was part of the wave where everybody's Italian parents moved to Florida. Okay. Stuff. So like that's how makes sense. That's how I was. Born there. Yep. And I grew up in Terry Old Souls 18. I was like, I got I got it. What kind of kid were you? Like, I was like a, a kid trying to figure out what like in between cultures. How old are you right now? I'm I'm 35. Keep going. So I was Sorry, in between man. cultures in a way because I was growing up, everybody I grew up we grew up with was like uh, kids of first integration immigrants and like, nice. from Latin America and things, but my family was from New York and they were, you know, Italian American. So I just was like I'm gonna be into metal, like, cause like that's, that's what like, you the last thing you should be into when you're in yes. Miami, you know, yes. or South Florida, because I just like wanted. You to want to be countercultural, yeah, exactly, yeah. you know. So what and did you was, get into, like Iron and Maiden and, and shit, Metallica, yeah. like Pantera, and I listen to yes. that stuff now. I'm like, oh god, you know, Metallica, okay, but like some yeah. of the other stuff, yeah. no, Rat, no, but, like, yeah. <laughs> and, and so like you know, and and then like it took I like it took me a long time to embrace that I just really actually 
love what I was around, which is all the hip hop scene that was happening down there. Interesting. You know? And by the time I went to college, literally you were that kind of like, dude. Like you wanted to be countercultural, yeah. so like you didn't want to be into hip hop like everybody else. Yeah, exactly. I love that. You know? and like, yeah, I, I get. Oh, I know people be, like that. Like I, did, I was like, everybody's into Wu-Tang. Steve Unwin. I, like, I want to be into Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang. No, you know. But now I'm like, man, Wu-Tang was so good. I so like, it good. Just, it took me so long to sort of really appreciate some of these things. So that's and, what you were into music. Yeah, and then you know, I, what I were your other interests? I, I, I really wanted to work in the movies for a long, long time, and okay. I, was, I did theater and speech and debate and stuff and nerd stuff. And but you were, but I, you were outward. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I was just, I was, I, I, I You know, realized. speech and debate, historically nerd stuff, but it's so crazy now that everybody wants to be, like, everybody, like, all these 18-year-olds think I'm cool because I give motivational speeches, and they're all, like, hitting me up, and they're like, I want to join the debate team. I want to join the speech, and I'm like, my God, this was the nerdiest shit when totally, I was a kid, totally. and now just how the world moves. It's, it's, I mean, one of the most invaluable things. If you think about you right now, you are, like, textbook influence. Every kid 14 wants to be an influencer. Yeah. On yeah. Earth. Yeah. And literally being into film, speech and debate would be yeah. like a real good idea. <laughs> you like true. set the tone for the framework of, this is actually kind of meta, this is why yeah. I love asking questions like this. Yeah. You're sitting in this incredibly important position at YouTube, yeah. which is really outside of Instagram, the, other, the two places where the manifestation of influencer, yeah. the way every 14 year old thinks, yeah. and literally the framework of what you grew up actually is probably the blueprint a lot of them should be thinking about. It's true. I think. I mean, like that's that, those years that I spent, and I did comedy for a bit too. And I, like those years that I spent doing that stuff, like really shaped. I think comedy for you sure. Have to, you Improv, have to, like, uh, sketch. Ske- um, yeah, same shit that. though. At some level. Yeah, totally. But it's all about like trying to understand an audience in a way. Like that's that's, that's exactly that it right. Took me a long time to figure out that. But like I was really just obsessed with why people like stuff, and that is professionally my job now. Is like Good for you. Why people like stuff. How do you end up you know? in this position? Pretty weird. You've been uh, at YouTube for nine years? Yes. So before that, I was a comedy writer for a bit of the Huffington Post. Okay. Um, and then I worked at Media Bistro. You remember Media yeah, of Bistro? Course. Very well. Like, there, like, Very well. Um, yeah, yeah, of so course. I was, I was their television news industry editor for a bit. Like uh, after Stelter. Would you worked, you worked, you that. went, you worked for Jonah at HuffPo? Um, he, we did this, there was this thing. Paul Barry? Barry Diller and, um, Paul, Paul was there when I was there. But yep. Barry Diller and Ariana did this thing called 23-6, which was like a political satire thing Yes, for I remember, years. I remember. And I, that was my first job in New York. Like I was an editorial assistant, worked my way up to associate editor or whatever during the 08 election run up and, uh, and right afterwards. Like I didn't really appreciate the economics of it at the time, so I was like baffled when the thing fell apart. <laughs> Two years later, now I'm like, of course, but um, you know, that's so about I, to happen in the world again pretty soon. <laughs> Everyone's about to be baffled. Yeah. Um, so I did. That. How's my direct-to-consumer brand not doing well, even though I'm losing money on every customer I acquire? I just never. I can't imagine how they made it work, but for the as long as they did. But we. we well, Barry has deep pockets. I guess that helps. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the so like I, I was I knew a lot about like about pop culture from working in that job. By the way, real quick on that, just as now selfish for my audience, back to Barry, his deep pockets. It's actually not that. It's actually a lot of what I think about. I I have so many things micro fail, but the macro always works. Yeah. You know, if you think about IC, you think about all that, like they're doing so much that like all they need is like three or four wins. Like 23.6 is right. It just, you know, timing and the economy and all that didn't allow them to see it through. Totally, I mean, But it's really do. fascinating when you see those, when you look at an icon like Barry or others, like, they're always trying things and, and nobody here knows about 23.6, but everybody knows about the biggest dating ecosystem on the internet. Totally. Everybody knows about all the other things that they've accomplished, college humor and all those iconic things. So like, you know? There were, and there were a lot of things that we were, we were doing back then, like these like kind of political supercut things and like that kind of remix style that like YouTube had just launched. So like there was like... Were you was, doing deep was, fakes yet? 
No, no. <laughs> okay. We're, we're several years away from that. Trip. D-Rock, when are you going to make deep fakes of me saying shit like, I love Tom Brady? <laughs> that, by the way, for everybody who knows, that will never happen. So when, that will be a deep fake. Yeah, just warning everybody now. By the way, that's, by the way, just like to be completely scattered like I like to be, this deep fake thing really is fascinating. It is. Like, if you think it about is. AI's advancement, like, I'm like, wow, we're talking about a half decade from now where this shit's going to be perfect, yeah, and right. now what? Yeah. Are we just only in a place where like, like you could, you know, it's so funny, the openness of the internet was something I understood. I think we're gonna see a big, cl- like I almost feel like I'm just gonna be live streaming at all times to prove it's me and what I have to say. Like I actually, everybody thinks it's gonna close. I even just started saying the closeness. My counter move to the closeness is complete on this. Yeah. I mean there's, there's If I stream all, every minute of my life, there should be no debate if I ever said it, because it's documented if I did or didn't. <laughs> I can prove that I didn't. You've been watching me at all times. Some yeah. Truman Show shit. It, yeah, there's like, there's all, I mean, there's D-Rock, so you ready to sleep in the same bed as me? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's so many, I mean, there's so many crazy, because like we've, we've What's your hot of, take on that? Well, I mean, we've been, I know you're guessing, we've, what do you we've think? spent this time, we've, uh, like when I say we, I mean all of us, we've all spent this era of like, being used to the idea of like, oh, if it's on video, it happened, right? And so like eyewitness footage, I mean, that's the thing that scares me, especially from international places where we don't, we don't actually have a window in necessarily because there's not a free press. And like now we're gonna be having, we're, we're, we're have this new dynamic that's coming in. We're gonna have to evaluate everything on this new level. Yeah. We're and not, we're like not, the world is not ready for that. No, because as you're, as you know, that means people are just gonna go into their prejudices. Yeah. By having the ability to say deep fake, now you can basically say that didn't happen, yeah. right? Like this horrific bullshit of the police in Phoenix, if you want to be on the side of racism, you can just say that's a bullshit video. Yeah. That yeah. fucking hurts. I, know. I agree, listen. That's the we're, part. There, listen, there is a complete restructuring of our society in our faces right now. Nationalism on the, on the yeah. rise. Deep, to your point, I mean, that's a, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. We have lived for a hundred years on the assumption of if it's on film, it's true, yeah. and we are about to enter the era of that not being yeah. true. And there's, a, there's another side of this which is kind of interesting and, and a lot, lot I could be my sister right now. <laughs> like, I'm just cut up imagery right well, there, now and my a, sister's talking. So there's another thing My sister happening. Elizabeth is the greatest human. I, no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> go ahead. There's another thing that's happening that's on the other side of this which is uh, on a much more kind of creative side where we're seeing out of like places like Japan, like like actual uh, creators, like uh, on-camera personalities are called virtual YouTubers. That oh, I'm aware. All, you know, that are all artificial and it's actually allowing people to do other more creative stuff, allowing them to voice themselves in ways that they wouldn't. There's always like good the, and bad. You know, so it's like, it's an interesting. So you were a writer, da 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 and then what, a job opened up at YouTube and you're like, yeah, I'm interested? I was interested because it was obviously like, at that point, I was 2010, YouTube was, I was loved viral videos like everybody did at the yes. time and, 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 but YouTube was Do you remember, to, do you remember, uh, Narnia and, oh, yeah. and Magnolia. Like, uh, so I was on YouTube so early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were like 2006 or something yes. like that? Yes, February. The, with the wine? Yeah. Yes, so I, I'm so pissed I wasn't documenting back then. You, Yahoo Video mm-hmm. and YouTube, independent, yeah. both flew me out to California. It's like the first time I ever did, like bef- even before Facebook and Twitter, yeah, yeah. I flew out and they were asking me questions about why I was making 20 minute videos. <laughs> yeah, you gotta love this. This is crazy. I, I can see D-Rock parking up. I never talk about this. Yeah. I was so early and I was going so long form that besides like Rocket Boom and Zay Frank mm-hmm. were like doing like five minute right, yeah. and Renetto and there was like, a, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. like some real early people. First of all, as you know, no million viewed videos. Yeah. None. Like, 
like when Narnia and like Magnolia Cupcakes, like when that exploded on SNL clips and they were getting like a million, people were like blown away. Yeah, yeah. Like, I the mean. Nike uh, touch of gold thing. Like you know, that was just the, like yeah. every video that did, like when I did Conan in July of 2007, like literally every YouTuber emailed me and said, you're doing this for us. Bes- yeah. Like besides Perez Hilton, nobody had done a mainstream media thing. Mm-hmm. So when I did that skit in 07, literally like the 39, the 88 like YouTubers that mattered, <laughs> that's how many there yeah. were, were like, hey, go do it for us. You know, like, you know, and so it was super early, but real quick, they flew me out and they were asking me questions like, why are you making 20 minute videos? Yeah. As in like, no, like you shouldn't be making them. Like only one minute videos work. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a long history of YouTube. I mean, I've been there for nine years of, of, pe- of even the people who work there being like, we think this technology is for this and then you going and doing that and being like, oh, actually it could be for that Well, that's also, what's fun being know? a platform, you get to watch. Yeah, yeah. And that's what you do in the macro. Yeah, exactly. You know what's funny, what you do for a living is probably in some weird way the thing I enjoy most doing for a living. Yeah, yeah. Even though I don't do it like officially. Yeah. Um, a lot of my comes from reading and listening and just reading comments how, how do you think about your process in figuring out, you know, inevitably, the biggest brands in the world, other organizations that YouTube wants to do business with or wants to help, yeah. are asking you questions like, what is happening? What yeah. is popping? Like, how do, you, how do you not make that just a math equation? It's, you know. Because I know you don't. Yeah, no, my boss. Otherwise, anybody could do it. She's like, she'll, she said to me once, and I think about this all the time, she's like, how can we just take the feeds of stuff that you guys look at and make, give them to everybody else so they can have the same insights that you have? And I was like, honestly, That's not the how it best works. insight I have is, this person who who like is watching stuff all day, and then she and this other person together like talk about what they've just seen, and they draw some contextual contextual connection, and then we go look at the data to verify whether there's actually something there or not. And like, there's creativity is really hard to quantify, actually. Like, I mean, there's it's, you can do it's it impossible. like well, of course, yeah. I mean, That's well, sorry, the point. I should say I should say there are certain aspects of creativity that you would expect to be able to quantify that are actually not, and of course, like. You know, there's, we've had this debate all the time. Like, can you actually like artificially like create create create? Is that even possible? The, the, but you can do a lot of stuff post game. Yeah, that's what people don't understand. Post game, we're all heroes. Yeah. Oh, that vid- like we put every day. We're like, oh, that wasn't good. Yeah. Because the audience gets this, it's the pre-game work. Totally, and then you do something and then someone else does that thing and then like a year later there's a taxonomy that is, has 100%. been invented that relates to those things. We've been seeing this in music for a long time, obviously. Like, yes. There was no like language for how to talk about punk when punk was first starting or whatever and now it's like- What do they call like, it? This is era. I don't, I mean- um, so, Got it, I just didn't know area. if you know. Yeah, yeah, but like I think like you just, and even like pop, I was having this debate like, because there's this whole, we're having this debate right now, uh, me and my music trends person about like whether pop music is the change completely or does it even exist anymore and like the things that we think of as pop aren't as popular as this is what other in, things this are. Is what, you know? This is what intellectual humans waste time on. <laughs> 100%. But I mean, I think it's, it's, it all speaks to this thing which is, is not about waste, not a waste of time which is like, if you, if you realize that then when you look at everything you start to say, oh like I can't just right now go and like say, X, Y, and Z is popping, so we're gonna do we're gonna do another thing. We're gonna yep. do this, you know, based on that thing. There's still a, such a strong element of, like, I, I, you know, creators all the time, people that you know, like they're they're, they're like, okay, everybody's trying to work the game, trying to like figure out the thing. To Titles do. and thumbnails and, and like I'm fucking always, like, trends. The, like above everything else, besides all those optimizations, like you have to have such a strong independent voice, like to be able to break through on stuff, and that so, like is this, so the, hard. to The exactly singular work. reason I think that I've had some success is I'm not good at growth hacking. <laughs> yeah. I mean it. So by eschewing that, you're just focused in on you and that's, yep. yeah. Uh-huh. And I don't consume anybody else's content. Yeah. 
I'm being dead. Nothing. I would scare, like I watch New York Jets football. Yeah. And I read comments from the content I put out. <laughs> so it's, if it hasn't been responded to something that you're already saying, you're not I'm insular as fuck. And somehow I still know what's going on with Meg the Stallion or How like. Do you think uh, that is? The comments. <laughs> you, your commenters are just. And then, and then humans, so right? Meg the Stallion, because of Mike Boyd, a human that I have who has an ear to the street, and he's like, well, you know, he's curating music for me to listen to. So hip hop, I have a human infrastructure in place, and then I have a funny ear, and it's always been that way. Bone th- like a lot of the people I liked before people liked them. Master P, Bone Thugs. There's been so many things that have happened in my career of like just being a consumer, of being early on people. So that's that combo. But a lot of the other stuff, like it, it's it's serendipity. When I'm Twitter's very good for me mm-hmm. because it's insular in a different way. Comments on YouTube and comments on Instagram stay within a vortex. On Twitter, somebody will reply to me about something and make a reference to something, and it's right there. Yeah. And so it's it, there's a I think Twitter. And this is like the first time I've articulated this. I think Twitter helps me discover some stuff a little bit more yeah. than I realize. But it's very, very insular. It's funny. I just spoke to a bunch of the creators on an off-the-record combo where Casey, uh, nice stat, was uh, interviewing me, and it was like, the, "It's." I spoke the, at the same thing. Great. So you know who was in there, right? <laughs> yeah. So the big thing I I told them that really broke through, and a bunch of them hit me up, who had not known who I was, especially the younger crew. Yeah. I told them like, "Hey, you're becoming a fucking creature of the fucking algorithm." Yeah. I'm like, you you all know the videos that are gonna work. You can bang those out, you already know. I'm like, you're gonna become unhappy, plus yeah. you've evolved. Yeah. Like when you were 16 to 19, especially the youngsters, right? Like right now, I'm pretty locked in. Like 35 to 43 yeah. is like, there's some edge work. But fucking 15 to 22, there's fucking foundational work of who you're gonna be. Some of these kids start off as fucking makeup this, yeah. and now they like don't even want, they want no makeup. They think totally. it's clean makeup. Like, and like, I was really pushing them and this really resonated. I'd love to get your thought on this. This is why I'm setting it up yeah. as a question. <laughs> I said, make a video that you know won't work. Mm-hmm. That isn't made for the algorithm and the growth, but that you just actually want to make. Yeah. And some of them have, and it really did well, and they're mm-hmm. really happy. And if I felt like I made a little bit of a difference. It's, it's starting to be a drum I'm starting to beat more. Yeah. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think, because I think it is is not as formula driven as people want to believe it. There's a comfort in that, I think, in a way. And like, those people that have success and rely on those formulas, there's certain things about those formulas that are allowing them to express certain parts of themselves that really resonate with people, whatever. But like, I I actually think they, you get to a point where you're like, well, I have to keep doing that thing to be able to succeed. Mr. Mr. So many people have just broken that rule over and over again. Mr. Beast is creative above and beyond just the fact that he's great at thumbnails. 100%, 100%. And you know, one thing that you just sort of referenced in in the midst of what you're saying is that like there is this, and this is fascinating to me, it's like there is this group, if you're 19 right now, you were five when YouTube launched. You grew up watching you, people like you, people like- Not me, because I was selling alcohol, but like, (laughs) but yes. Yes, yeah. You know, you're right. That era of people, like you grew up watching that. So like, what is what you make look like? Is there a YouTube Hall of Fame? No, but how we do you should decide that. Uh, we, well, the same fucking way all the other fucking bullshit things do. <laughs> the, the NBA, the, the NBA Hall of Fame's a fucking joke. Yeah, but it's like I think it's there's something that's anti like. I'm just basically trying to figure out which Hall of Fames I can sneak into. I so see, that was I that. See. Let's okay. move on. Yeah. All right. So what you know, there's a lot of people listening right now who do want to pop or do want to get like. Let's be very selfish for my audience. What are some hot takes, observations, like diarrhea of the mouth of like some things you're seeing which are completely predicated on a potential 
first mover advantage, because one great thing I love about my audience is because I suffocate the fuck of inaction. Yeah, this yeah. is not just a place to get motivated. Well, actually, it is a place to get motivated. And by the way, if you're listening and you haven't done shit and you just use me for a quick motivation and you, th- and you use me as an, ex- like, people use motivation as a make pretend to doing shit. Yeah. This is a public service announcement. Like, stop fucking listening to me and fucking do something or continue to listen to me, but do something. Because DRock, you've seen that whole group of people who love to tweet Gary. I stopped watching you, I favorite them, and 90% of them are just listening now to a worse version of me and still not doing shit. (laughs) So, give me some hot takes that might be valuable for the audience before we bounce. First thing off of what you just said is make stuff. Like, I think like there's a, there's people like have this, because so much of what you see now feels like it's very packaged and edited and and pristine, like there's a, there's a, a sort of, Thing that I got to start there, but like that's the lowest stakes thing you could do is just put up something and see how see how people react. All right. one thousand episodes of Wine Library TV, I did no audio, no lighting. I literally looked like I was a hostage. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, when you like watched, if you haven't seen it, a lot of you don't even know about my wine videos. Go to YouTube. By the way, biggest mistake of my career happened. One of the first people on YouTube, Vidler, a competitive video platform, gave me seven percent of the company. Think about how hot I was on YouTube in year one. They gave me seven fucking percent of the company to go exclusively on Vidler. Plus it worked for me, I was so long. What Vidler had was uh, an IP, a patent on tagging within the stream in the bottom because people were complaining in my comments. I didn't just leave for the money because I rarely do. It It was, Gary, you talk so much in between reviewing the wines. I'm here just for the reviewing wines. So what Villar did was like, at the bottom of the player, you could see four little dots, exactly. It was fucking amazing. Anyway, one of the biggest mistakes I made was leaving the platform, but like, t- like, t- do, like, if you go watch, if you go to YouTube right now, because I think Villar's so down that the videos are gone. Like, if you go to YouTube right now, I made sure all the archives went up there. They don't have a lot of views for that reason, but, I look like a hostage. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's like you, you, the other stuff comes as you like, it turns out that the other things, the production value, Matt, it's like matters, but not as much as like having- Tell DRock. DRock, that was one of the biggest things you learned coming into my world, right? Admit it. It was. Okay, good. Yeah. Admit it again for my own happiness. It was the biggest thing I've learned coming into here. What else did you learn, DRock? <laughs> Nothing. Good. <laughs> All right, so production value, I th- permit to make, that's a big one for me, like just fucking make, next. Yes. The other thing is, you know, you talk about work around something that you really actually are passionate about and care about a lot. Or deeply like, knowledgeable, don't, do you yes, believe? Deeply yeah. knowledgeable, but you have to really care about it because- Because if you're deeply knowledgeable and you hate it, you'll quit. Exactly, yeah. it's, it's not a thing that you could just like get in and be like, I'm gonna do this for six months, we'll see what happens, and then like, you know, my, I'll be a big star after that. Like, that's not how that game works at all. 99% like, don't. You know, yeah, you gotta be in it and you gotta wanna do it all the time. You gotta want, it's like, People ask me all the time now about writing books. They're like, oh, what do I need to do to write a book? It's like, pick something you want to be obsessed with for five years. Have you ever read read Crush It? I want to send it to you. I'll tell you why. I think you're gonna shit that I wrote in 2008 because it's like, so far, completely on your thesis. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and then, so you have those like, if you if you just start making stuff and it's built around the thing you care about, you're already like halfway to getting where you need to go. Then you gotta pay attention to what you gotta. It's like all the basic stuff you gotta. There's the amount of analytics you have available to you is is incredible. Most of it doesn't matter. You gotta pick a couple of things that matter to you. What people like? What's your retention look like? What what are the thumbnails that people are clicking on? You gotta like pay attention to those things because that helps. That's not just like optimizing for some. Thing that is just telling you what people are interested in, right? Do you see a lot of people who are incredible at the thumbnail and title shit, but once the people walk in the door, the actual content
content because they're not passionate or talented is so garbage that they, even though they're good at growth hacking, also fail? Yeah, I mean, it happens all the time actually because the, like, the way that just, I like the, in a way, the way that the YouTube algorithm is designed is around retention and like watch time, right? It's about like, right. the length of engagement. So if people are coming and they're bailing, you're never going to be able to survive and the they're end. just getting served up. The end. Know? Yeah. I mean, it, wor- it worked, it used to work back in the day. Yeah, no, I know. Things have, t- have changed a lot since then. Because, you know, g- YouTube cares about its end user. Yeah, of course. It's all about like giving people what they want in a way and, and that's... What's, what's been buzzing in the halls? Give some shout outs to some people doing some creative stuff in the last six months to a year. What's been a video, a, yeah. a creator, and a, listen, obviously this is completely flavor of the month. This could yeah, be somebody yeah. walking by in your hall and like, be, you know, I'm sure everybody that works at YouTube has their you know, plate of favorites and different totally. creators, but like, what's been in the last month or two like catching people's attention? So I'll give you, so I'm gonna use these two examples Good. over here, but Emma Chamberlain and Joanna Sedia, they're both young, they're both rejecting a lot of the things. This goes into the, what we were talking about before about people grew up watching other stuff. Yes. Like these are people who like, they don't wear makeup, they yes. like edit, like sloppy editing, but yes. it's like, it's, they have, their voices are so authentic and fun and like, I just love the shit out of everything that they make. Like, they're, and they're, my team is just like obsessed with with their stuff. And I think what they're what they're doing is they're basically saying, they, and like, you know, you have are they together? Man. They're doing separate things, but the same shit. Yeah, they're, yep. I think they're both in the same. They're in the they're same part of crew. Of young people who do they know each other? Who, I mean, I don't. Do know. they fuck with each other? Like, they give like daps. Like, yo, we're different. We're not friends, but like, I fuck with you. Like, on the same. You see the world the way I do. Fan, their fans definitely have like. That's. There's, there's, but do they like? Are they like like? Let's start this adventure shit. Okay. Well, Maha, let's get both of them on the podcast together. We'll just fuck it. I'm the original fucking the one, got, piece of shit editing, fucking voice yeah. powerful as fuck. I'm the fucking granddaddy of these two ladies. You want to talk about, talk about uh, Flavor of the Month, Lil Nas X and, yes. uh, and, and Old Town Road. Of course. And he came to the office and I said, I got to chat with him for a little bit about like his, like the Process. road to yeah. getting that thing to and? where it was. It was fat. He's like, it was just so intuitive. Like he just like, yeah, I made 50 memes up with the song in the background, a bunch of them blew up and now I have a hit single. Like, it, 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 yeah. it just was, a, and he, it wasn't like he was like, oh, I, I, he just got lucky. He like knew how to work Twitter. Yeah, he like no. knew how to work yeah. all these, all, all these, these platforms. These people, people are, are deeper the strategists. They're like, are they gonna, is he, you know, is he gonna be a one hit wonder? What's gonna happen? It's like, well, I don't know, but he's, he knows how to no, talk no, to people. No, no, you, way, you, you, know? you know he's not going to be. It's true. Yeah, because it's true. he's got the tools in his belt. Yeah. He has, su- he had, su- it's the same reason I know I'll always win. I'm both, I'm both the actor and the producer and the distributor. Yeah. And when you are the distributor, the one hit wonder thing, we were, we've been debating, can you be a one hit wonder anymore when you could build your own audience at, you know, at a certain point? Right, it's and then like, what's the redefinition of that, right? Is like, are we all half hit hunt wonder, yeah, exactly. wonders because it amortizes out? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What else? But um, those, those two are big. And then, Talk to me about something I'm passionate about. Yeah. I'm getting really hot on the idea of hiring a lot of 50 to 90 year olds, Mm -hmm. starting a incubator in a retirement home. I'm always looking for white spaces. We're talking about a lot of inclusion in our society now, which I'm very happy about. I think the one group we're not talking about is people that are over 60. Yeah. So so anything interesting, what's like intuitively, I feel like YouTube's mature enough now is there like some 86-year-old crushing for the other 86-year-olds on YouTube? We've seen a lot of we've seen a lot of, of older creators now like popping. It's actually a, interestingly we're seeing a lot of it in India, in other countries. Mm. There's some, in Germany I've seen it. I've seen you know you see. Yeah, America is fucking bullshit like, on this ageism there's thing. There's a there's a a lot of you know people who are revered in their community for their expertise like cooking, right? For example, that like oh yeah, why not like you know 
why not hear from this 90-year-old woman how she cooks the, these recipes? Like, that's exactly who I want to hear the, from. The, o- the only you know? people I wanted to hear from as a kid was the grandparents of my friends. Yeah. Like, literally, history was the only class I was good at, yeah. and I always gravitated towards the elderly. Yeah, and I think there's like a, there's a, a because they have not grown up with these technologies. My grandfather's 101, he's on the internet every day. Wow. He, he's emailing me, he's checking his stocks. He's like, he, you know, I'll come home and I'll be like, what, he's like, explain to me the cloud. And it's like, oh my God. Uh, you know, but he's like, wants to know. He like, wants to know everything. It's not like, I think that we have these, these, these like, Do kind you, of beliefs, t- these stereotypes let's, let's, that people are like. Aff- let's like, focus on something yeah. important. Tell me everything about your grandfather's 100th birthday party. Oh, it was awesome, it was down in Florida. He, okay. Uh, so at his 95th birthday party, he was like, hey, I don't have any great grandkids. That's not cool. Uh, oh, so he like took the mic and was like, fuck yes, you, get, yes. the, get the and fucking. So, you know? And like all the grandkids were all like, they're like this. Yeah. And 100th birthday, there's four great grandkids like sitting at the table. You know, like there's, everybody's married. Like it's a whole other ballgame. It's like his word, your word matters, dude. That's you know? cool. It was really, it was really awesome. But I mean, he was at, he was at the World's Fair when they debuted the TV, and it's like now he's like, yeah. What, you know, what's your, what's your favorite story from your grandpa? Like, what is, like, how does your grandpa roll? Like, does he roll the? You guys are complaining about fucking the wrong milk and fucking coffee, and like we went through the fucking depression. Does he roll as like sit down kid? Like, how does he roll? Yeah, no, he do, he doesn't. The thing that I've always been impressed with, he's just like he's a he's a timeless person in a way. Yeah, yeah. And like he's like he he you know he fought in, in World War Two and like you know one one bronze star saw some shit. Like I imagine Clearly. he doesn't talk about. It. He's never like oh man you don't you, you know, I yeah. fight in a war. He, you know he, he never says that stuff. Right. He just wants everybody to succeed and wants them to be smart. What do we end with? What uh what did we cover here? Like as one final part for all the aspiration that is listening? Um, I think, um, I mean, your audience is mostly U.S. or do you have like a... No, it's pretty global. I think the thing that is is super interesting to me is like how much we're seeing cross-culture stuff happening. And there's like both the, uh, you have both things that are... like hyper local and that only makes sense in certain markets and you have stuff that's playing out across different markets. To that point I apologize. Are you paying attention to what's going on on Netflix from where we're starting to see truly breakout hits that are, you know, there's that show Dark in Germany that is like subtitled and just like a global phenomenon even though it's super similar to Stranger Things which is super cool. Like, you know, I think I think what YouTube and Netflix are showing, I actually think it's the end of American pop culture dominance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're already seeing it. Like, never in your or my generation would we see K-pop stars dominate 12-year-old blonde girls in yeah. Florida. You know, and so I think it's a really interesting time. Is that where you're referring to? Yeah, I mean, eight of the top 10 songs globally on YouTube last year were in Spanish. You know, like that's like not something that we would have seen. And obviously part of that is like Latin America blowing up on, yeah. uh, on, on usage online. But I think you're just seeing like there's a more of an appetite for, for perspectives from different cultures right now and for creativity coming from different places and I think if you if you just are the type of person who's like me who wants to know what's happening and like be like kind of it's on the, the best edge, you got to be you got to be looking at what's happening in different no places it's the best I mean Latin trap has been something I've been like watching for like three years and yeah. it's just been super interesting to watch it explode yeah. the the ubiqu like the the global like essence of hip-hop is fascinating to me that like hip-hop works everywhere you know rules the world yeah <laughs> rest in peace nip uh this was great yeah thank you so much for having me yeah by. thanks for your have a great week and um we'll see you soon yeah man thanks brother thank you take care keep listening everyone uh please leave your comments this is a little bit of a new format i'd love to get your feedback on that hit me up on twitter all the global listeners since we're not american dominated i'm just <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.